Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. For today's conversation, my guest is going to walk you through what you have always wanted to know about artificial intelligence or AI, as this topic is one that has generated a lot of headline buzz and investor interest in recent time. Joining me for today's conversation, glad to welcome Brian Kelly. Brian is a managing director and serves as the head of machine learning at AQR Capital Management. Some quick background on Brian. In addition to his role as head of machine learning, Brian is also a professor of finance at the Yale School of Management, a research fellow at the National Bureau of Economic Research, and an associate director of SOM's International Center for Finance. Brian was also a tenured professor of finance at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business from 2010 to 2017. His research has been published in the American Economic Review, the Quarterly Journal of Economics, the Journal of Finance, the Journal of Financial Economics, and the Review of Financial Studies, among others. So with that, Brian, great to be with you today here on UBS Market Moves. Thank you for spending some time with our listeners, our clients, and much looking forward to diving into this fascinating topic with you. Welcome. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. I'm looking forward to it. So, Brian, with that, let's dive right into it. As I alluded to, there has been lots of enthusiasm from investors on AI-driven technology in recent time. Can you, Brian, tell us a bit about what AI and machine learning is? Right. So I guess we could start off by, uh, by noting that AI and machine learning are synonyms. We really don't need to be saying both. We could just pick one of them. Um, there are some subtle, I guess, very arcane ways in which you can think of them as being differentiated from each other. But for most users' um, intents and purposes, they're the same thing. And whatever we call it, I guess I'll just stick to AI throughout this call, but whatever we call it, it's really just about using data and statistics to solve problems. So in most cases, the easiest way to understand AI is to recognize that what it's actually doing is trying to solve a prediction problem in some form or another. In my experience, when people appreciate the prediction nature of the underlying problem, they start to appreciate a lot more concretely what goes on underneath the AI hood. Um, and we could, if it's useful, we could talk about a particular example, say, well, one that, that a lot of people tend to be aware of um, is using artificial intelligence um, as a tool for image recognition, right? So in that case, you have photographs which are stored as basically lists of pixel values, things like color intensity at different points in a photo. And each of those photos is associated with an object that's in it, like a cat or a horse or something like this. And then you feed the image into the AI algorithm and out pops uh, categorization of what the object is in the photo. Now, the way that that is actually accomplished is that there's a statistical model that reads the numerical representation of the image and calculates its correlation with all the different possible image contents that there could be, usually a fairly small number of categories. After a statistical model calculates these correlations from so many possible examples of images, it essentially finds the patterns in pixel numbers that tend to correlate with 
whether or not there was a cat in the picture. So it's really just a matter of combining data, which we have a lot of as, as sort of storage technology has evolved and computing technology has evolved. We have a lot of data. We have a lot of good statistical models that we could use to calculate correlations among those data. And it really boils down to trying to find reliable associations between things like pixel configurations and whether or not there's a cat in a picture. So we can call that a prediction model, right? You say, seeing the image, what is my best prediction for what the image is representing? Uh, you can sort of immediately recognize all kinds of commercial benefits that could come from prediction technologies, which is why AI is so exciting these days. People are very interested in things like AI-related investment and so forth. Um, but it's also important to recognize that, that the benefits of AI are can be thought of as sort of a, a general purpose benefit. There are going to be lots of different types of ways that AI could be used beneficially. It sort of spans all industries. It could be about healthcare, things like using patient indicators to better diagnose conditions or diseases. Um, it could be an old economy types of industries, things like oil and gas exploration, trying to better forecast whether or not a potential oil field is worth developing and so forth. Um, in all cases, if you can kind of think to yourself, what is it that's the underlying prediction problem? It's always a good sort of thought experiment for getting your head around whatever sort of potentially very complicated or sophisticated sounding AI that people are telling you about. Well, Brian, that was a very helpful breakdown of a complex topic, as you alluded to, a lot of applications across various sectors, industries. You mentioned the increasing interest when it comes to AI and investing. If we were to incorporate AI into the finance world, in simplistic terms, how would you describe that? What does that look like from your lens? Yeah, so since we have a bit of a chance to talk about how AI solves problems by building statistical prediction models, um, it becomes almost immediate to understand how AI fits into finance. Um, and let me, I guess I'll specialize my answer to this question to the area of finance, which is investments, which is where I specialize and spend most of my time working. Um, if the problem that I'm trying to solve is something like, how can I build a portfolio with the best investment performance? we are again trying to solve a prediction problem. What we're really trying to do is to think about how we can best forecast directional price moves in the future. If I can do that well, then I'll have better investment performance. So broadly speaking, the role of AI in investments is to find data and statistical models that are good at forecasting price movements. Um, I emphasize by the way that this is not a new idea, right? We can talk about AI and finance, um, and I think a lot of times this sort of gets, gets conveyed as something of a revolution in what's happening in the investment industry. Um, but I actually think that that would be a misleading characterization because if you think about the idea of using data and models to build good portfolios, this is the same basic idea behind all of quantitative investing and this is an industry, quantitative investing, that's been around for decades and decades, right? When t people talk about AI and investments now, they don't mean anything conceptually different than quantitative investing that they would have meant in, say, the 80s or 90s. 
right? I think the implication is that the types of statistical models that we're using nowadays are on the more sophisticated end of the spectrum. But really, the best way to think about AI and finance is that this is the current representation of a long and gradual evolution of using more and more sophisticated tools and better and better data sets to solve this core problem of how to build a good investment portfolio. So running a bit further when it comes to considerations as an investor, Brian, there, of course, has been a lot of talk out there about the impacts, implications of ChatGPT. What are a few considerations specific to ChatGPT that investors should be mindful of? Right. ChatGPT is such an interesting topic. So one thing that I'd emphasize right off the bat is that ChatGPT should not really be viewed as, you know, an investment enhancement tool, right? It's really, right, you think about what ChatGPT is. This is a model, a statistical model, that's been trained to understand the way language has essentially been used in large data sets of text that the model has had access to in the past. And when we interface with ChatGPT, if you actually open up its chatbot function and start talking to ChatGPT, it sounds like it knows a lot of stuff because it's been exposed to so many ideas in its training process. But there are a couple of real basic fundamental aspects of it that we need to recognize that make it sort of a bad investment tool, if you will. One is that First of all, this is a model that's been trained on historical data. Usually when we think about making investment decisions, we're thinking about making decisions in light of the current environment. Well, ChatGPT doesn't have any information about the current environment at its disposal. Furthermore, the way ChatGPT learned was to look only at text data. It didn't have information about what was going on in financial markets in any form to learn from other than the way that it would have been written about in text that it saw in its training process. And I guess a related, and maybe, you know, this might be obvious, it might be a subtle point. I'm not sure. It kind of depends on the user, but we need to recognize that when we ask, for example, a question to chat GPT, it doesn't go and search the internet. This is a model that's been trained on past data. So when it gives you an answer, it's giving you some sort of regurgitation of what it saw in text documents that it was trained on, right? And this can be, this can be good or it can be bad, right? A lot of text documents that it will have been trained on, which includes practically the entire internet, right? Some of those documents might be informative for asking questions of interest. Some of them might actually be rather disastrous or, um, heavily influenced by biases of the writer of the document and so forth. So we need to recognize that when we're trying to make investment decisions, going and asking questions to chat GPT, like what should I invest in, besides being something that the, the builders of chat GPT have tried to block off sort of explicitly, you're going to get a lot of answers that might not be good for actually building a realistic portfolio. Um, they could lead to really suboptimal consequences and some pretty bad investment mistakes. 
Very well put, and thank you for those cautionary items for emphasizing that for us, Brian. Now, given your expertise applying AI or machine learning into finance, can you tell us a bit about which areas of finance has AI or machine learning been most successful? What have you been picking up on there? I've sort of specialized to investments so far. You know, it's it's worth recognizing that finance is a is a huge field and very wide discipline. Um, and AI has had impact in lots of different aspects of finance. So if you think about, for example, the banking sector is a place where there's been a lot of improvements in processes and functionality thanks to the advent of AI. Things like fraud detection, things like risk modeling, default risk modeling, trying to understand whether mortgage or corporate or credit card borrowers are, are more or less likely to default. And how should we be thinking about the interest rates applied to these different borrowers and so forth? A big place, which is not so exciting or sexy, but where there are a lot of cost-saving benefits are things like back office operations. One place where I think we'll expect AI to continue to grow very rapidly is anytime you have a repeatable task that can be easily automated, this is the type of place where AI is going to be I think, a relatively light lift to get it off the ground. Um, and this has been changing a lot the way these types of, of, of sort of clerical or back office operations have been taking place in the finance industry. Anything happening at AQR with respect to how AI is applied that excites you the most? So the, coming back again to the investment side of things, where AI is going to be most beneficial, right, is to try and think about where do we have data that we can use to improve the performance of predictions that we want to use. So I've already talked about kind of, you know, the big one, which is predicting future price moves. That's sort of the most direct and immediate way you could imagine building an AI prediction tool that's going to benefit investments. Um, Other places where it's critical is in doing things like predicting risks, trying to think about where volatilities or betas will be changing in the marketplace. That's a a core component to how you build any portfolio. We don't just think about the return on the portfolio. We're always thinking about the risk-adjusted return. What does that trade-off look like? How do we get the most return for a given amount of risk? And then there are a lot of more detailed benefits of using AI in things like transaction cost modeling. If I want to build a portfolio, I have to recognize the costliness of building that portfolio, having to pay bid-ask spreads, having to think about the price impact of my trades and how that eats into the performance of a trading strategy. These are all prediction problems where where AI um, is beneficial. But I also think of those as some of the more standard um, AI problems in finance. What I think is especially interesting um, is thinking about how can I use machine learning or, or artificial intelligence to bring in new data sets, new sources of information that have been hitherto unexplored or relatively lightly explored. Um, And in the past five to 10 years or so, one great example of where we've seen a huge amount of growth here and where we've we've focused a lot of our efforts is in textual analysis, natural language processing. So doing things like taking raw text that we know has the potential to encode a lot of information in it, but is presented in such a complicated way that it's difficult for the machine or the model to know how to use. Well, one way that we've made a lot of progress on this is to build our own text processing models that can take things like news articles 
or SEC filings, all kinds of documents related to firms or various assets that we trade, ingest, metabolize that information, and convert it in, then into a trading signal that we can build into our portfolios. Um, so NLP has is, is, is been a big place where, where we've made a lot of investment, and I think that's, that's, that's a particularly exciting growth area. And I think lastly, and just more generally, one place where I think firms will have an ability to differentiate themselves when it comes to AI and investments is to get uh, sort of more involved in understanding the mathematical foundations of AI, which is really about knowing what types of problems AI is best used for. So one example that this, that this has in, in how it relates to AQR's business is that it's really important for us to recognize how to most effectively integrate things like economic theory and economic logic into an AI. The AI is trying to learn from data, but if you don't always have enough data to inform your model how to make best decisions, it's always great to be able to supplement that model with human thinking, economic theory, as though I would kind of characterize it broadly. So this idea about how to best fuse together economic theory and data has been actually one of the biggest bright spots in the way that we've been able to introduce this into our business. Well, Brian, appreciate the transparency there. It's fascinating to hear about how the technology is applied. Historically speaking, any lessons we can learn from the dot-com bubble to how we think about investing in AI-driven technology companies today? Right. That's a great question. I think, yeah, for this one, I, I think I might switch from my, my head of ML hat to, um, to my finance professor hat, because this is a question you could probably ask about any sort of new disruptive revolutionary technology that comes on board and how markets start to think about valuing it. Um, first thing I'd say is that I do think that there are a lot of analogies between what's happening with AI investing now and the dot-com bubble. Um, but of course, you know, this time is never the same. It has its own, its own aspects. A couple of lessons that we can certainly take away from dot-com that applies here. The very first would be just that diversification is always critical, right? With these technologies, there are going to be winners and there are going to be losers, and being able to pick those ahead of time is extraordinarily hard. So the best way that you can kind of approach this is with a, a diverse attempt to kind of capture the broad benefits of the technology. Um, in my opinion, we always have to keep in mind the risk risk reward trade-off. Um, that's sort of uh, that's true even within thinking about different AI potential investments. But then I'd also think about sort of expanding to the economy as a whole. It's important to avoid making very heavy industry bets as a whole. That's a really quick way to disrupt your diversification. Um, and it also, it kind of misses the point that a lot of AI is general purpose, so it's going to be showing up in industries outside the tech sector as well. Its benefits will be impacting um, more traditional um, industries as well. The second thing I'd say is that, you know, especially in the information environment that we live in nowadays, no one knows what's going to happen. It's critical to get informed, but there are a lot of people out there that often make noise without actually conveying any information. So make sure that when you're, you're making investment decisions, it's based on a real understanding of the technologies that you're investing in, as opposed to, you know, what the latest flavor of hype is um, that's coming from whatever sound source you're getting. 
Third, I'd say fundamentals matter. Fundamentals always matter. We know a lot of things that are true about financial markets. Investors tend to extrapolate. They tend to do this when recent trends are strong. They tend to do it when there's a lot of uncertainty around an asset. And market prices can get dislocated from the economic fundamentals because of that. So I think it's useful to just recognize that we always need to pay attention to the fundamentals. They can really help us understand when we're at a special, you know, and especially high levels of risk of overpricing or sort of bubbly behavior. Um, and then lastly, I just say there are going to be big swings in prices in this technology. It is a new technology. The world is trying to understand it. As we learn more, we're going to see big price fluctuations. Um, this type of risk means that AI investing can be a bit of a wild ride, which is exactly why, you know, going back to my first point, diversification remains critical. Um, if you start to put all of your eggs in the AI basket, um, you're going to be setting yourself up for a lot of big, big price movements. Well, Brian, this has been a very fascinating conversation. This story, of course, has a lot of runway ahead of it. So more to come, but very helpful for our listeners, our clients to receive some understanding, some perspectives from an expert such as yourself. So thank you again for spending some time with our listeners and our clients here on UBS On Air Market Moves. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. It's been my pleasure. UBS Financial Services, Inc., or its affiliates and its employees are not affiliated with any third-party speakers mentioned. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy.